Well, it is so good to be with all of you. For those of you that don't know me, my name's Tommy, and I'm one of the pastors here at Joy. I'd like to take a moment to welcome those of you who are joining us online and say thank you to all of you for joining us live right here in St. Cloud. So for the last several weeks, we have been going through a series called 70 times seven, and it has been based off of a little conversation that the disciple Peter had with Jesus after Jesus was done talking about forgiveness. So a few moments after Jesus was done, Peter walks up to Jesus and he asks him a question. He says, how many times do I have to forgive my fellow believer who keeps offending me? Seven times? Now, when I look at what Peter had to say, the thing that sticks out to me is not the number that Peter used, but this idea of have to. How many times do I have to forgive them? In this, in this sense, he's saying, look, I know how many times I want to forgive them. I know how many times I feel like maybe I need to forgive them. But I don't want to overdo this whole forgiveness thing. I don't want to forgive them more than I'm supposed to. I want to know what you would require of me. So how many times do I have to forgive them? Now, Peter is sometimes seen as kind of a rebel type person, a person that just says what's on the top of his mind. He just speaks it out and then you think Peter would try to retract those things. Like, oh, I said it again. I said it again. But here's the thing that I, I think Peter understood at an early point while hanging out with Jesus. Jesus already knew what you were thinking. He already knew. So you might as well say it so you can get your questions answered because by not saying it, Jesus is just going to let you wrestle with it a little bit until you get to the point where, oh, I'm just going to ask so then I can find out. In a sense, Peter is a lot like us, but, but we don't ever let those words come out. You know, Peter just, just goes out and says, all right, how many times do I have to do this? Now, for us to really understand why Peter was asking Jesus this question, we really need to understand what Jesus talked about first, because that gives us an insight as to why Peter would go through the steps of walking up to Jesus saying, how many times do I have to forgive him? Like seven times? So here's what Jesus had to say just a little bit earlier. He said, if your fellow believer... Let that stick with you for a moment. If your fellow believer sins against you, you must go to that one privately and attempt to resolve the matter. Now, Jesus had a way of saying things, I think, for the purpose of shocking people, getting, getting their attention a little bit, making sure they are paying attention to the words that he's saying. So he'd say things that I think were contradictory to the, the, the habits of the people in that day. And to be honest, the habits of people in this day. When we think about someone being, being somewhere, doing something, and then someone comes along and offends them or says something wrong or sins against them, naturally we think it's the person's responsibility who did the sinning. It's the person who did the offense. It's the person who did the bad thing that is supposed to tuck their tail and then walk back and say, you know, that one thing that happened, I'm really sorry about that. Please forgive me. But what Jesus is saying here is if someone has offended or sinned against you, you go to that person. 
You go to that person. Now, that just doesn't seem like how it's supposed to happen, but that's how Jesus instructed us to go about it. Why? Because sometimes the person that did the sinning, the person that did the wrong against you or against me, doesn't know they did anything wrong. They don't know they offended you. They don't know they sinned against you. But, but here's what we do. We give them the cold shoulder or we give them the colder shoulder. We, we don't pay attention to them or we look at them like, mm-hmm. And we just keep walking or we see them come up and we're like, oh, I'm not talking to you yet because you haven't come to me yet and asked for forgiveness. Now, that person is thinking, what is wrong with them? Why are they behaving in such a way? I'm just going to leave them alone because I don't want anything to do with them because evidently there's something wrong with them. They don't know that it was them that did the wrong. So you're sitting there waiting for a text message. You're waiting for the email. You're waiting for the phone call. You're waiting for the knock on the door, the tap on your shoulder saying, I'm so sorry, but that's not going to come. Because they don't know they offended you. So Jesus starts out saying, hey, if someone has sinned, if, if a fellow believer has sinned against you, go to that person. So Jesus is already getting our attention right out of the gate. Now, something I want to, to add here. When Adam and Eve sinned against God in the garden, who made up the gap there? Who made up the difference? I think it was God that went to them. I also think it was Jesus that was sent to us. All throughout scripture, we see the God side of things coming towards to try to redeem that connection, redeem that relationship. And yet when we get offended, when we get hurt, We leave it up to the other person to try to have to go through the process of coming to us when that is not the example that Jesus has given us. Jesus continues, he says, if he responds, your relationship is restored. If he responds. Now, I find this funny. So you go through the process of walking up to them saying, you know, that conversation that we were having yesterday I'd like to talk to you about that. Okay, go ahead, talk. So I I said this certain thing and blah, blah, blah. You know, I have a tendency to talk too much and that happens. But then you said something and that really hurt me. I never said that. What are you talking about? I don't remember that conversation at all. This is not going well in this moment in time, okay? You tried to do the first thing. You went to the person, tried to talk to them about whatever it is that they did to you, and then they don't admit it. Oh, now we have some problems. Now, we don't ever want to really say that's happened to us, but trust me, it has happened to you. I will just tell you that. You tell the kid, um, why did you break that? I didn't break that thing. What are you talking about? It's like, oh, I know you broke it. I got you on the nest cam. I was trying to handle this without needing to show you the evidence. But here we are. And then the kid's watching the video. That wasn't me. Oh, That was the dog. So if, if they respond, your relationship can be, can be restored. What Jesus is saying, now, now hear me carefully, if happens, 
if happens. You might think that, that after prayer and all of these great moments with God and all of these scenarios you've ran through in your mind before you go up to the person to let them know they sinned against you, you're all prepared, and guess what? If can still happen. I didn't do that. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm certainly not going to apologize for that. And have you ever had someone apologize for something they don't really fully understand that they did? Women, I know, married women, that is irritating. Like you want your husband to just say sorry, but you want him to say sorry for the right reasons and the things that he did. So just say, okay, I'm sorry. Doesn't work. It's not what we're looking for. If if they respond, things can be restored. Jesus goes on. We kind of wish he would have been done, but he's not done. He says, but if his heart is closed to you, then go to him again. No! I already went. I already did this one time. Taking one or two others with you. No! You will be fulfilling what scripture teaches when it says every word may be verified by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So, so Jesus, let me understand something. You, I, I go and it doesn't turn out how it's supposed to. And now you want me to go again later and bring some people with me so they can witness my failure again. Great. Thank you so much for this. Now, why does Jesus say this? Um, I don't think it's out of a motivation so that you can gang up on the other person. As if because you have another person with you, oh, now it's serious. If mom and dad come to talk to you at the same time, now it's serious. It, I, don't, I don't think it, it's for that. Generally speaking, you are the most passionate person in this situation because you were wronged. You were sinned against. Bringing another person with you, that other person generally doesn't have the emotional ties to the situation that you do, so they can hopefully bring some different perspective, maybe uh, be a mediator in the situation so they can help bring that to resolve. Bringing another person with you isn't so much for the individual that sinned against you, it's for you. It's not so that person can seem bombarded against or pushed up against a wall or, or I can't defend myself anymore because now you have two or three people with you. It's to be a support. But what does that involve? That involves you needing to go to another person and say, hey, I'm trying to restore this connection I have with so-and-so and it's not going so well. Could you please be with me and help help? Chances are, if they're a good friend, if you went to them, they, th chances are they would go with you. But guess what? If happens, they might say, no, I don't want to do that. And then you get to go to another friend. <clears throat> Jesus continues, and if he refuses to listen, so you bring up the situation again with two or three of your friends there with you. And if he refuses to listen... Then share the issue with the congregation. No! I'm supposed to go to the pastor now? Oh! 
in hopes of restoration, and if he still refuses to respond, even to the church, then you must disregard him as though he were an outsider on the same level as an unrepentant sinner. Now, these are the words of Jesus. We're not changing it, okay? We, we don't like sometimes these offensive, awful, terrible, no good things Jesus says, but this is said, this has been in black and white or red and white, depending on the type of Bible you have, for a long, long time. And Jesus just said, you go to that person, you bring it up in front of the church, in front of the pastor, and if they refuse again, you treat them as an unrepentant sinner. Well, now some of you are thinking, is that what happened with that one person that isn't coming? That, you know, that one person hasn't been here for a while. Did they go talk to Pastor Tim and it didn't go well? <laughs> Chances are that's not what happened, just so you know. We focus on this end matter of, I don't want anyone kicked out of the church over the fact that their kid took my kid's tennis shoes when they were all together at a friend's house and they won't admit that it's my kid's tennis shoes. This, I don't want them kicked out of the church because of the, we focus on that and we forget the words hope, hopes of restoration. This whole process of going to the other person, talking to them, bringing another person with you, bringing them to the pastor, to the church, is all in hopes of restoration. If, if, if you go through this process and you don't have the end goal in mind of restoring that relationship, then why go through the process at all? Why go through the process at all? This is all done in hopes of restoration where someone has wronged you, someone has sinned against you, someone has done something wrong to you, and you take steps towards restoring that connection. So, Peter, hears these words of Jesus, and he's sitting there contemplating, just like you and I are right now, and we're thinking about all of the relationships we've had, connections we've had, friends we've had. And we're thinking about all of those moments where someone has sinned against us, done something wrong against us. And you start out with one, then you get to two, then you get to five, and somehow these things multiply, 10, and you're to 20, and now to 40. You start thinking about all of the family members which is almost everyone that shares your last name and all of the people that have offended you that share your last name. And you think, oh my, this is a lot of people. And I got to go to each one of them. Hey, Uncle Bob, remember when you did this? Hey, Cousin Susie, remember when you did this? I got to go to my boss. I got to go to my coworkers. I got to go to my neighbor who lets his dog go to the bathroom and my lawn? Oh, but we're supposed to have a pool party at their house next week. I can't go over there and talk to them about, uh, your dog is going number two in my lawn, so can you please stop that? Thank you. This is uncomfortable. And then if the neighbor doesn't respond, am I supposed to bring the person in charge of the HOA with me and go, hey, uh, so... 
Like, this just seems too overwhelming. Why would we go through this process? So Peter's thinking about all of these things. You know what comes to his mind? This is grueling. This is terrible. I don't want to sign up for this. This isn't something I want to do. In fact, I think it would just be easier if I let it go. How many of you have ever been there before? It'd just be easier to just let it go and just pretend it never happened because I don't want to go through this process. In fact, I think it's just easier to not make a big deal about it. It's easier to just just pretend it never happened and just move forward and I just won't make a big deal about it because they probably didn't intend on doing it and I'll just move forward and it'll be fine. But here's the problem. It did hurt us. We are offended. We do feel sinned against. We do feel that we were wronged. And I can't come up with a fifth one right now. So we got all of these issues, but we pretend it's not a big deal. Why? Because we don't like confrontation. We don't like confrontation. Why, why would we go through this whole process, even if the person right away says, oh, yes, I'm so sorry, I was feeling terrible about that, and I wanted to talk to you about it, but I didn't get the chance to yet, so you came to me, thank you so much, I'm happy to, even if they respond that way, there's still confrontation that takes place. You're still confronting them with what ended up happening, and we try to avoid confrontation. We try to avoid it with our family, with our coworkers, with our bosses, with our neighbors. We try to avoid confrontation in the store with people we don't know. And things just get terrible. So I'd like us to go through a little, little exercise this morning. You don't, you don't have to stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. You just stay where you are. Just exercise in here. Think how many people have, in your mind, sinned against you? How many people in your mind have done you wrong? Chances are we're not coming up with five. There, there's a lot of people that have sinned against us, done us wrong. It's been bad, terrible, no good. How many of those people have, have we ever willingly gone up to to talk to them about it? I have a tendency to feel that that number is far lower than the amount of people that offended us, Pastor Brian. I like when Pastor Brian's nodding his head. That means he's like, yep, I, I, I'm with you, I'm with you, okay. Now, for the people that we did go up to and said, hey, uh, you know, this happened, it wasn't good, I just wanted to talk to you about it, and it doesn't go well, how many of those situations do we go back and bring another person with us to confront them again? Oh, well, now we've really plummeted the numbers. And is that because every confrontational conversation we've ever had has gone well? No, it's because at that moment we've decided to drop it. We've decided to just let it go. We've decided to say it's no longer a big deal. I don't need to do this forgiveness thing with them. I didn't really like them anyway. What we find here is that so many of our relationships with people with our same last name 
people we're, we're with nearly every single day or people we rarely see, what we tend to find out is that we don't take the steps towards restoring those relationships where we feel like we've been sinned against and we wonder why it is we feel so alone. We wonder why it is that we feel like everyone is against us or nobody likes me. This person did this wrong, this person did this wrong, this one, and I got all kinds of reasons to be upset at everyone that has done me wrong. Yes, you do. But, but if you personally haven't taken the steps to restore those relationships, then you are the problem. You're the problem. So we go through this exercise and we think to ourselves, man, Maybe I got some things I need to work on. And then we understand for just a moment why Peter walks back up to Jesus and says, how many times do I have to do this again? Seven? You know, so, so now we're thinking, seven times with my neighbor, seven times with my in-laws, seven times with my kids, seven times with my spouse, seven times with my boss, seven times. We start to, to realize that when, when Peter said seven times, that's a big number. Go through this process seven times with your in-laws. You, by, by, by time number two, you're going to be like, oh, I can't do this anymore. I didn't want to do this in the first place, but Jesus said seven times. Peter wasn't lowballing it anymore, was he? I mean, who wants to do, do that seven times? Peter guessed seven, hoping Jesus would say five. Let's be real. That's why Peter said seven, but here's... What, what Jesus responds, it says, Jesus answered, not seven times, Peter, but 70 times seven times. You imagine going to Jesus, thinking seven, and then Jesus just multiplies it. You're hoping he's going to undercut you by two, and then he multiplies it. Gah! Peter's mind, his heart, all his relationships are like, oh my gosh. This is terrible. 70 times, seven times. Peter's thinking, wait, what is that number? How, mu how much is that? I don't think I've ever even caught that amount of fish in one time. You want me to do 70 times seven. You want me to go 490 with these people. Come on. I had this realization as... I was preparing for today. You don't go 490 for the other person, though that is good. Go 490 for yourself. It is to your benefit to forgive another. It is to your benefit to forgive another. To your benefit. You think you're doing them such a huge favor. You're doing yourself a favor. Now that seems a little selfish. Okay, I don't think Jesus intends to harm us in any way. Why would Jesus give us instruction to do this so then it would end up terrible for you? No, Jesus gave us this instruction to help us out. And along with helping us out, it helps the other person. Go 490 for them. 
for yourself because it's to your benefit to forgive another. So I've been doing some thinking about the times that I've had to forgive people in my life. I remember getting my first pair of glasses. They had little Snoopies on the side. If you don't know who Snoopy is, that's fine. You weren't born then. And you get the normal instructions like, you know, be careful with these glasses. They're expensive. Take care of them. One of my parents sat on them and broke them. It was like, oh, it wasn't me. It was like, ah, forgiven. I forgive you for breaking my glasses. I remember a little bit older, I brought home an art project. It was this clay figurine I designed from scratch, which means blah. It was a Jordan statue, completely painted, Michael Jordan, completely painted his, his, his uniform, numbers, name on the back. I designed the shoes just like the Jordan shoes of that day. This thing was awesome. I bring it home from school, and my sister, who's 10 years younger, wants to see this statue. I'm like, no! You know how hard I worked on this? Oh, Tom, let me see it. There's very few people that get to call me Tom. Oh, Tom, let me see it. I'm not going to break it. We are sitting on the front steps of our house. I said, fine, here you go. Within a matter of seconds, she dropped it, and one of the legs broke off. Forgiven. A few years later, I have my friends over at our house. We're uh, hanging out downstairs. That's where my room was. And one of my friends, who's not a very good basketball player, wanted to dribble a basketball in my room. It's like, okay. I said, now be careful because this is my brand new Jordan poster. Now, I know there's these Michael Jordan themes, but that's really not the point. But it was, it was a Jordan poster, my brand new Jordan poster. And he's dribbling the ball. I said, don't let the ball hit that poster because... you'll rip it or something. Sure enough, the ball hits the poster, rips it off the wall, creates these holes. It's like, come on! Of all of the 23, I had 23, of all the 23 large posters in my room, why would you, some of you are getting the 23, why would you rip down my newest one? Come on now. Forgiven. Several years later, I have a performance car. What does that mean? It's a car that goes fast and is supposed to go fast. My aunt decides at a family reunion type gathering, she'd really like to drive my car. I said, okay, you know, here's kind of the things. Go out, have some fun, bring it back. So she drives the car, brings it back, and and I walk up to her before she's ever got out of the car. I said, so how did it go? She goes, ah, well, fine, but the performance really is not good. I said, what? She goes, it doesn't really go that fast. I said, what do you mean it doesn't go that fast? She goes, I couldn't get any life out of the thing. She was driving it with the emergency brake on. (laughs) Forgive. Forgive. Oh. A few years after that, Angela and I are engaged, 
And I had this great idea of bringing her to a Broadway play of Beauty and the Beast. It was traveling at that time, was going through Wisconsin, and I thought this would be great. It would mark the first time I ever put on a tux in my entire life. Angela had a beautiful dress. She didn't know where we were going. This was going to be great. And all of these awesome things, the day this event was supposed to take place, my mom comes home from work and she goes, you know... Tom, she gets to call me Tom. You know, Tom, I was talking with the ladies at work and we feel like there's probably a lot of children and kids that would go to this Beauty and the Beast play. So maybe you shouldn't dress all up with the tux and all this type of stuff. And Angela's standing, Mom! It's like the tux was already rented. Like, I'm wearing the tux. Like, this is happening and you just, boy, you just, you just, Forgiven, mom. You're forgiven. (sighs) I tore my ACL a few years ago. And the first time I'm in the Walmart with my kids, I have the crutches, I have the brace, and I give my eldest son the instruction, don't you dare hit me with that cart. (laughs) Now, They can't lead because at that time, they don't know where they're going in the Walmart. They know where the toy section is in the Walmart, and we were not going there because I had one leg that was fully functional at the time. Don't you dare hit me with the cart. We aren't in Walmart for a few minutes, and you know, you don't fully turn around. You just, and then... And Tristan said, he's like, (laughs) if he could be a turtle, his head would have been gone. It's like, it's like, I just told you. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Funny story, Tommy. Funny stories, Tommy. But wow, you've had a rough life. Your kid hit you with a cart. They tore down your poster. Oh, you had a rough life. Here's why I share these stories with you. Because all of these stories involved people I was extremely, extremely close with. My parents, my sister, my family, relatives, great friends that I grew up with. And all of these people I've had to navigate this process of forgiveness with. And what I find interesting is that if, if, if we have a hard time going through this process of forgiveness with the people we know, the people we love, and the people that love us, how do we earn the right to go through it with the people we work with? How do we earn the stripes to go through it with our neighbors? But because we pass on it, and we overlook it when it comes to relatives. And oh, they didn't mean it. I'm, I'm hurt and I'm offended, but they didn't mean it. We just stack it up and stack it up and stack it up and stack it up until we can't get past it anymore. And then, right, Pastor? Then, ugh, what are you talking about eight years ago? I don't remember four years ago. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a verse somewhere in the Bible that says, don't go to bed angry or don't let the sun set or something like that. 
when you're still angry, why all these things fit together. All of them fit together. So you might be here and you're thinking to yourself, you know, Tommy, I hear about this whole forgiveness thing. I think it's great. You know, sorry about your poster, all of these different things, but it's hard for me. It's hard for me to have to work through this process of forgiveness. Well, I got some things from the Bible that'll hopefully help you. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says this, Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults. Now, Tommy, why are you starting here? Because sometimes we have to rid ourselves of the characteristics that are not of God so we can embrace and fully live out the characteristics that are of God. We have to let go of the things that aren't like Jesus so then we, we get the opportunity to become more like Jesus. It doesn't work the other way around. We don't get to live our terrible, no good, awful lives and continue to live that way and then become a little bit more like Jesus as we go. You got to let go of some things. Lay aside. Stop doing certain things. This is a process to getting to the place where you find the ability to forgive. So stop doing the terrible things. Then it says, but instead, Pastor Brian talked about this a few weeks ago, instead, everywhere in life there's an instead, but instead be kind and affectionate toward one another. It is really difficult to have bitter words, temper tantrums, be thinking about revenge, using profanity and insults while you're trying to be kind and affectionate toward one another. So let's just be real. You need to take care of not doing the bad things so you have time and energy to do the good things. If you're too caught up in, in yelling and profanity and temper tantrums and taking revenge, you won't have the time to be kind and affectionate towards someone. Then it goes on. It says, has God graciously forgiven you? The answer to that question is yes, whether we've received it or not, but God has. Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. If, if Jesus has forgiven you, yes, then forgive one another. Then forgive one another. Now, what, what comes to my mind is, if we've stopped the profanity, taking the revenge, having bitter words, all these different things, and we've, we've taken on the idea of being kind and affectionate towards one another, then why do we need to forgive one another? If Brian is kind and tender-hearted to me, thanks, Brian, love you, Brian, and I am kind and tender-hearted to Brian, why do we need to forgive one another? If, if I am kind and affectionate to my wife and she is kind and affectionate to me praise God love you babe then why do we need to forgive one another it's because we're not perfect it's because even though we're trying to lay aside the profanity the bitter words the taking revenge the anger sometimes we take that up and sometimes we're not kind and and tender-hearted and affectionate towards one another because we've taken up the... And then we need forgiveness. 
Maybe we haven't taken up the revenge and badness, but maybe we failed to be kind and affectionate when we were supposed to, and we need forgiveness or we need to offer forgiveness. We're not perfect. And because we're not perfect, but we're striving to be excellent, there's room for forgiveness. Now, it is difficult needing to forgive another. Sometimes we are the ones that need to be forgiven. Sometimes we're the ones. Someone needs to go 490 for us. So a few weeks ago on a Sunday morning, coming in, setting everything up, and we realized that one of our TVs in the foyer is out not working, not functional. I talked to our sound technician who's an audio video type of guy, asked him to take a look at it. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. He's like, yep, the TV's out, needs to be replaced. Great. This is one of the things that I get to do around Joy is helping, helping tech stuff. So I get a new TV and, and take down the old one, you know, put the mount, all that type of stuff, put it back up. It's up, turned on, functioning. Everything is working great, but it's not locking into place. You don't just hang a TV on the wall. There's many times in these mounts a locking mechanism that you need to put on, otherwise that TV could fall off, break, and it's not a good situation. So I'm trying to get the lock to work, and it's not working. I take the TV back off, I adjust the mount, put it back on, and it's not working. It's not going how it's supposed to. Everything is functioning, but it's not right. In my attempts of trying to fix this problem, the TV proceeds without my permission to fall off the wall, bounce on the ground a few times, and break. Now, I've already saw some of you look to Pastor Brian wonder, does Pastor Brian know this? Already, some of you, you're sitting there like, well, how does Pastor Brian feel? Exactly! You know the pain already. So I'm sitting there. No, I wasn't sitting there. I was pacing. There's a broken TV. And it's a brand new TV. It's a broken TV. How did this happen? I didn't intend for this to happen. I leave the building. I go out in the parking lot. I'm just pacing back and forth like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? So I call the Walmart in Sartell. Walmart in Sartell, the day it opened, I prayed the prayer of dedication over the building. I was in front of all the big wigs, all of the employees. The day it opened, praying over them. And there was like five or seven stores that opened that weekend. That was the only store that met expectations and above nationwide in Walmart. I was the guy that prayed over that. And if there's a guy that should get a free pass from the Walmart, <laughs> so I call the Walmart, they put me on hold. And it was a long hold. And then, meanwhile, I'm walking. Sorry, Tommy, can't do anything for you. Thank you. So I go and get a new TV. And we get it all installed, all plugged in, all working just fine. I get a new mount because the old mount, I, I realized, would not work with the new style of TV no matter what I did. 
Now it's all locked into place, doing well, and most of you all saw that TV today and you didn't think anything of it, but that TV is something in here to me. So last weekend was a big weekend here at Joy. Pastor Brian had a wedding he was doing, was speaking that Sunday, and you just, you know, you have moments where you think he doesn't need to find out right now. You've been there. You've been there. Now some of you are like, oh, I would never. Yes, you would. Yes, you do. I would never. So I'm thinking, Monday's a good day. Monday's a good day. Monday sounds like a great day. Oh, starting out the week of that information. Tuesday, Tuesday sounds way better. And I'm installing the slides for last week's service. This is as fresh as then, last week's service. I'm installing the slides and I'm seeing forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. And I thought, I get to walk this out. So I sent Pastor Brian a text. Now, some of you are like, Tommy, you didn't go over to his house. If I went over to his house, yes. If I went over to his house, he would have been, what's going on? What's going on? I said, hey, Pastor, this is word for word. Good news. The TV, (laughs) good news. (laughs) The TV behind the what's happening desk has been replaced and is working. The bad news is that it took me two TVs to do it. (laughs) The first TV was installed, worked, looked good, but wouldn't lock into place with the old mount. I adjusted everything and it still wouldn't work. With the TV being where it was, I knew it was important to have it locked, not just hanging. Well, as I tried, Pastor Brian's already laughing. Well, as I tried to adjust some more things, TV one fell off and broke. I can't tell or I can't begin to tell you the thoughts and emotions that came to me. I did what I could to try to see if I could get a replacement, fail, but there's nothing that could be done. It was a loss. I had to get a second TV, a new mount, and everything that was good to go locked into place and working. Pastor, I'm so sorry. I don't know how exactly it all happened, but it did. In an attempt to make it right, all went wrong. Very wrong. My intention was to tell you this next week because I know we have a big weekend ahead with you doing a wedding, etc. But yesterday as I was putting in the scripture slides, etc. for Sunday's service, I just kept seeing forgiveness over and over. I most definitely did not seek this situation out, but here I am. Ha, 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 ha. (laughs) More of a laugh, cry type thing is what I put in parentheses. I said, I know you're a man of grace, but I don't like to use that quality often. But here I am, I'm so sorry, and I'm very upset at myself. This whole needing forgiveness and then also needing to forgive myself became a little more real to me this last week than I was anticipating, wanting, or ever thought. Pastor Brian responds with this picture. (laughs) 
when, when I am reminded of what I've been forgiven of, it helps me to go 490 for someone else. It helps me to be a little more gracious than maybe what I tend to want to be. How many times, Jesus, do I have to forgive? Have I forgiven you? Yes. Then forgive one another. Forgive one another. In Ephesians 5, 1, says, be imitators of God in everything you do, for then you will represent your Father as his beloved sons and daughters. When we forgive as Christ has forgiven us, as God has forgiven us, we are like our Heavenly Father. We're like Jesus, more so than we were the moment before. And if we can understand the amount we have been forgiven, When someone breaks my glasses, when someone breaks my Jordan statue, rips down my poster, drives my car with emergency brake on, tells about a special event, or runs into my leg, you are forgiven. You're forgiven. Why don't you stand with me? I don't know where you are, in life. Chances are there's someone in your life you need to forgive. And chances are you are in a place where you need to seek out forgiveness from someone else. My encouragement to you, do it. It is for your benefit, for your benefit to forgive or seek the forgiveness of a person. It is to your benefit. First and foremost, if you haven't sought Jesus for his forgiveness, for the sins and wrong you have done, you do that first. First and foremost, you say, Jesus, I'm sorry for living life how I have wanted to live it, doing things I've wanted to do. I've sinned against you. Please forgive me and be the Lord and Savior of my life. You do that first. Then, then, then seek out forgiveness from others. Then forgive other people. And we will be just like our creator, God. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this idea of forgiveness. Lord, I thank you for how it's been bestowed or given to each and every one of us. And I thank you for this grueling process that you've listed out for us of how we can go through forgiving one another. Lord, help us to take those steps as hard and as painful as they are. Help us to go through those steps, to go through that process because the promise is on the other end of it. God, I thank you for watching over us and blessing each and every one of us. And Lord, as we continue to live our lives in honor of you, may you continue to empower us to do so in your glorious and holy name.